you know, quite frankly, like it really hasn't been that long. And I can tell you it's like night and day, especially with my little guy, Harrison, when he walked into this program, he couldn't identify letters. He couldn't connect letters for sound. He was very timid. Anytime it came to doing any type of reading activity, he just broke down and he went into that place of, I can't do it. Walking out of there, he, his confidence just really shined. I'm Nicole Holcomb, attorney by day and podcaster by night, a former educator, school counselor, and administrator, and mom to a nine-year-old daughter with dyslexia who loves all things Harry Potter, Minecraft, and science. A few years ago, she was identified with dyslexia and our life seemed to turn upside down for a while, quite literally. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to help you navigate the upside down journey of dyslexia. You got this. If you're wanting to thrive as a mom in this dyslexia journey, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Mother's Day may be celebrated one day of the year, but here on the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast, we are celebrating moms for the entire month of May. Today, I'm talking to one of the eight amazing warrior moms who are sharing their personal parenting dyslexia journey with us. Grab your earbuds and enjoy learning from moms who are taking you behind the scenes of parenting dyslexic kiddos. All right, I'd like to welcome to the show Valerie Lemestre, who is also uh, the founder of Red Square Pegs. And thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to talk about your dyslexia mom journey. Oh, well, I'm just so excited to be here and to be here connecting with a fellow dyslexia mom who's in the space and just really making a difference out there with talking about, you know, dyslexia and the, the journey of becoming a dyslexia parent. Well, thank you for that. And I'm, you know, I'm so excited about this May series and about Mother's Day. It's such a special time of the year. And there's so many pieces that go into parenting children in general, but parenting children with dyslexia, there are so many pieces of that that I call invisible parenting. There's so many pieces that our neighbor doesn't see, our best friend doesn't see. And so we'll talk a little bit about that today. But, you know, I just wanted an opportunity and a space to celebrate moms this month and to tell their story and also just to, you know, to to give you guys a kudos. It's, it's very, very seldom do we get pats on the back as moms. And so I just wanted yep. to do something this this month that would be special to celebrate the moms that I connect with, that I follow and that are just doing amazing things. So thank you again for being here. Well, thank you. And I love that term, invisible parenting. That kind of fits the bill there. Oh my goodness, so much. Yes, so much of that. So before we get started, Valerie, do you mind just giving a quick intro so everybody can get to know you a little bit before we get into your dyslexia mom life story? Yeah, well, you know, I guess a good place to start is my story with dyslexia. And it actually started a few decades ago, but I really feel like my journey started with my boys. Um, I was identified um, as um, a child with a learning disability through the school system. So I never was uh, received an actual diagnosis, but dyslexia does run in my family on both my dad's side and my mom's side. And as a teenager being diagnosed, um, or I'm sorry, um, not diagnosed, but identified, I, by the time I got to that point, I already experienced a lot of struggle, um, you know, struggles through memories from kindergarten was struggling to learn how to write and spell my name, you know, um, 
realizing that classmates were doing things that I couldn't do. And so this was clear to me at a very young age and then not receiving support until I was a teenager really impacted how I viewed myself as a learner. And it really became a me thing because I didn't really have anything to pinpoint my struggles on. And um, so by the time I was identified, it was more about just getting me through school rather than let's set her up with the right support so she can, you know, strengthen her skills and help her, you know, as we, uh, as she goes on in her life. And so I guess this takes me now to my boys. Um, I have two sons, Marshall is nine and a half and Harrison is eight. And they were both diagnosed in 2019, early 2019. And when we talk about dyslexia, it's widely known that it looks different from person to person. And I can honestly say that my boys' dyslexia looks different um, in how it shows up in their life and how it's and their journey to get to where they are today. So Valerie, as we think about the journey from the perspective of being a mom now on this journey, can you share with us a little bit about some of the signs that you started seeing early on? I know you'd mentioned a few minutes ago that with the boys, they, they looked a little bit different and probably people listening see, see and hear some commonalities among some of the people that we've had interviewed, but also some differences. So what were some early signs looking back now? Maybe you didn't know it at the time. We're probably, yeah, we're, that's what we're, we're looking at. Yeah, I, I, exactly. There were early at risk signs and, you know, knowing what I know now, they were very clear and loud. And with my youngest, um, he, you know, aside from the family history, he uh, was a, de- a delayed talker. He started talking very late. And once he did start talking, he had a lot of trouble manipulating sounds. And I think so often he felt misunderstood. He was a child who was strong-willed and loved hanging out with adults and conversating with adults. But most of the reaction he would get is like, I can't understand what you're saying or somebody looking at me and be like, Val, what is he saying? So as he got older and wanted to share more, you know, I, he, it was more of just being misunderstood. And I started seeing a change in his personality where he was really going inward and reacting in frustration, not having the ability ability to really express himself. But then when we get back to my son, Marshall, um, he was actually an early uh, talker. He showed um, a lot of interest in books at a very young age. He was the kid that was going to our bookshelves and pulling out the books and sitting in the middle and flipping through them. And so for me, looking back now, um, I really saw early signs of dyslexia as he was approaching kindergarten. Um, both my boys were uh, started preschool at a young age. They, I, I enrolled them at three years old. And Marshall, once he started getting towards the kindergarten age, it was, it just took him longer to learn like the basic phonological awareness skills. And once he did get there, you know, again, it was just a little longer than what was going on with his peers. He had a lot of trouble with blending sounds and segmenting words. And so that really created a a weakness into his decoding skills. And so when he read, even at the most basic kindergarten level, it was long and laborious. And I, I mean, you could just visibly see him get tired as he was reading. 
through the book. And so for me, for my family, these were the early signs that continued. And, you know, with time and, and, you know, going to preschool, like they weren't getting better. They were actually getting worse and louder. Yeah. So when did you get, was there an aha moment or was there a moment where you were like, okay, we need to take some actions. We need to change direction. This is not working or we need some different support. You know, at what point of, of their education did you say, Hmm, there's something more here. Yeah. Well, you know, for us, it was always uh, more apparent in our youngest son. And I can remember that moment <laughs> clearly. Um, and I think I always will. It was his last year of preschool and we were, you know, thinking about kindergarten, making sure he was prepared. And we were having our mid-year parent teacher conferences. And I can remember my husband sitting next to me, the teacher in front of us, and we started going over his progress report. And of course you start with all the positives and all his areas of strength was there, there was plenty of them. And she was just going on about what a wonderful kid Harrison is. And then we get to where uh, we talked about his reading skills and it was just apparent that he was really struggling. And I just broke down in tears in front of his teacher. And I could just remember, I could just, see her eyes and she's like, no, no, Valerie, he's okay. It's going to be okay. I'm like, it's not that it's just, you know, by this point he had three years of speech therapy, you know, I'm seeing him struggle in school. I'm seeing him struggle at home. I'm seeing what it's doing to his self-confidence and just how much pain he carries and just the way he was starting to view himself. And I just said, you know, I just, I keep hearing this thing. The last couple of years we we've I keep hearing the same things and things aren't getting better. And I just feel like there's something more. And I shared with her my history and just my experiences, which were negative. And um, I could see her will spinning. She was is taking in what I was saying, but I don't think she was equipped to really point us in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So, and she was a supportive teacher. She was invested in my child. And mm-hmm. I felt like my, my child, my son was, was, in the right place. Um, but at the time, I just didn't realize that he just wasn't being taught the way he learned. And so she's like, you know, I have some great ideas. I'll spend some extra time with him. We'll get through this and let's check in at the end of the year. And, you know, that was the best plan we could come up with. And it was one that I just felt I had to accept. And so leaving that meeting, I still thought that that's mother's intuition, just knowing something right. more was going on was really starting the, the fire was building. And so, you know, I did the next best thing. I, you know, the school couldn't really provide any guidance. The, the teacher didn't know where to point me. And so I went to tutoring. And so I found a, a tutoring center and uh, signed my boys up. And a few months in, I could another, this was just another moment of, okay, there's, there's something more. I was sitting in the waiting area and I had a clear view of Harrison and the tutor and I can hear him. And so I was sitting there doing what moms do. I was going through my Instagram, clicking, liking, and I just happened to look up and um, I could just see my son visibly shaking and I could see the pain in him and I could hear that he was on the verge of tears. But then I could hear the tutor where it was almost like she was speaking out of frustration. And I was just like, are you not seeing what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing? And like my initial gut reaction was to jump up and just stop the the tutoring, but then I was second guessing myself, like maybe this is part of the process. Maybe he just needs to work a little harder. 
maybe he just, you know, needs to toughen up a little bit. And so I just painfully sat there and let it finish. And then once Harrison came up to me, I could just really just feel the emotion that he was tucking away. So and let me stop you there. So at, at that point as a mom, what, what were you feeling emotionally? Like, what were your thoughts at that point? I, I felt helpless. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. I knew there, this was not where my son needed to be. Um, but I wasn't sure what to do. Um, and you know, as I was going through this and seeing him, I'm seeing a lot of myself in him. And, um, so and that can like, be hard too, right? As you start seeing hard. things and you think about the, the path of the journey that you had been on and the things that you had experienced, some of them not so great, right. That you've talked about right. a few minutes ago, and you just don't want to see that path for your own child. You just want them to, to feel success and for them to feel worthy. So I know that had to been a difficult well, part of this journey, the, you know, because my, my kids are smart and unique Absolutely. and, mm-hmm. you know, like my little guy's so strong-willed. And mm-hmm. so I had, you know, you have all these hopes and dreams of what their life's going to lead. And slowly I felt like that was being taken away. So when he came and, out of tutoring that day, I mean, what was, what was the, what's the next step? There? I, what, what happened next? Well, I went home, called my husband and, and like, this was the experience I had. Um, you know, this doesn't feel right. And my husband was definitely on, he always says he was a late bloomer that he struggled in school, but he turned out okay. And, and so his, his point was basically like, we're doing everything we can have great life. They have, you know, supportive parents. They're going to be okay. Kind of like start stop overthinking and reacting. Like it's going to be okay. And, and so it was, kind of like, it just made me kind of second guess, like what my intuition. Um, But from there, I just, you know, it's funny how things kind of line up. And I really just started being more open about what was going on with my children, and realizing that I need to find a different path, because what we were doing was not working. And you have to remember, like Harrison was in speech therapy, for three years and now tutoring and I even sitting through his speech therapy, like, you know, a lot of it's practicing letters and, and matching the sounds, but he wasn't able to do mm-hmm. that. Like he would know a letter, you know, at one point and then the next point he would mm-hmm. totally, he wouldn't do it. So it was always a constant struggle. And it was, he was always feeling that sense of defeat. Right. And at a young age, he was feeling like, I mean, we had conversations where he would say, I'm just dumb or I don't like mm-hmm. myself. And that mm-hmm. was just, that's hard to hear. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, during school when it's supposed to be fun and they, they know early on that it's just Mm -hmm. something that's, I don't feel right. This doesn't look right. And then we did speech too, for a number of years, we still do speech actually. And you know, it's a lot because when they're so young and they're, you know, they're struggling during their school day and then they have speech and then they have reading tutoring. It's so easy for them. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of amazing too, though, because they do get that resilience and eventually push through. But at that early age, when we as parents were trying to provide every resource we can think of. And I know for us, I was like, okay, but I had to at some point take a step back and say, okay, we're doing too much. So well, that was kind of where we're headed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and and dyslexia is, it's confusing because Mm -hmm. one day 
they'll be okay. They'll like be on it. You know, they're feeling confident. And then the next day it's just like all that just stripped away and they have a hard time and their symptoms and signs are, are stronger. And so um, that's, you know, we were running into that as well. And so um, getting back to the story, um, one day I, I was, I was volunteering at Marshall school. He's my oldest, he's nine and a half. And um, my two sons were at two different schools and I was leaving and I happened to um, bump into a mom that I knew socially. And I just asked her how she was doing. And she's like, not well. She's like, we're leaving the school. My daughter was just diagnosed with dyslexia. And she's like, you know, and the school just doesn't have the support in place that my daughter needs. And she was very, and she expressed frustration with the school, knowing that her daughter was struggling. And, you know, as a parent, she knew her daughter was struggling, but, you know, and, and her daughter was a little bit older, I would say between 10 and 12. And, um, you know, that why did it take us so long to get to this point? And I'm like, oh, you know, I actually have some concerns about my youngest son. Will you tell me kind of what you were seeing? And so she told me, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is my son right away. She's like, well, I have um, this woman that's helped me through the process. Here's her number. You know, so she, she uh, shared the number with me and she's like, give her a call. She'll be able to help you out. And so I get in the car, get to Harrison school to go pick him up. Um, and I was waiting in the carpool lane and I was there early. So I'm like, you know, what, I'm going to call this number expecting that I was going to have to leave a message. And she answers and her name is Whitney. And she, um, I explained to her what we were going through. I explained to her m- my experiences and she's like, okay, well, I have a few questions to ask you and just a- answer them the best you can. So we go through it and I would say two questions and I knew exactly where this was headed. And sure enough, it's after I answered the last question, she's like, Valerie, I would definitely get your son checked out. And the waterworks began again, but this time it was like ugly crying. I'm not sure I even took a breath and she let me go through that. <laughs> and then firmly, but supportively, she's like, Valerie, you have to be strong for your son. The way you show up for him during this process is going to make all the difference. Um, your son is still the same son. You're, you know, you're doing all the right things. You're on the right path. And she's like, I can give you some um, referrals. I can kind of let you know where you need to start. And that conversation for me was the turning point in our journey. And it's, you know, it helped us get to where we are now. And um, it actually changed my life because, you know, one of the things that she told me is, you know, you need to educate yourself on what dyslexia is. And through that, um, it really just changed my outlook on what dyslexia is and what it's not. And realizing that I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't just a witness. I wasn't just a standby, like, I could take an active role in this and, and by finding that understanding and awareness, like the power was put in my hands. And really that's where, and that's why I say, you know, like my story with dyslexia began, you know, it's decades long, but my journey mm-hmm. actually started when my boys were diagnosed. All right. So did you go through a private evaluation for the boys? So, um, so again, got home, <laughs> called my husband and be like, Hey, look, this, this is, is what the we're conversation doing. I just had, you need to get on board and 
and help us out here. <laughs> and so he did. Um, and so we started doing our own research and through a colleague of colleague, call, call, <laughs> through a colleague, <laughs> colleague of his, um, uh, we found a center, um, uh, we were living in Arizona at the time that does assessments and they also have an intensive uh, dyslexia intervention program. That's great. And so I call and, um, you know, they're the only center of its kind in that area. And so it took us a couple months to get in. And so we got in, got Harrison assessed. Um, yep. Dyslexia. And so we go back and we're going through his um, assessment and going through the results. And as we're going through this, my husband and I at the same time looked at each other and we're like, this is Marshall as well. And so we finished the process with Harrison. We got him signed up for the intervention program. And then a couple months later, Marshall uh, did the assessment and he got diagnosed with dyslexia as well. And this was all like early 2019. And so, you know, um, so what grades were the, what grades were the boys in at that time? So Harrison, he was preschool about to go into kindergarten mm -hmm. um, and Marshall was in first grade. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so at that point, did the boys both go into intervention at the same time or, or, or Harrison so, goes um, in a little bit ahead of? Yeah. Harrison started in August of 2019. And, you know, when, when we go back to saying how dyslexia showed up differently in, um, in their lives, um, Harrison, his intervention. So basically what it is, is they went to this intervention um, in place of school. And so it was five hours a day, five days a week. And um, the average, what they recommend is usually it takes about five weeks. But for Harrison, he did 193 hours of intensive intervention and 49 hours of occupational therapy to address some of the uh, sensor um, motor con concerns that we had. Um, and so that ended up being close to nine weeks for Harrison. Marshall, his was, I, I believe, 100 and, about 110 hours, which ended up being about uh, five weeks. Um, and so- So let me ask you a question then, that's different than what we're doing here in Georgia, is when, when when both of the boys finished up that program, did you need to continue with the speech or continue with any other reading tutoring? Or was that intensive five hours a day for a number of weeks and hours? Was that able to really address and help, you know, remediate them to a place where the self-esteem went up and they were able to, to feel more confident and, and able to really, um, I guess, crack the code, as they would say, as to, <laughs> as to those yeah. pieces of dyslexia? Yeah, well, you know, it is a private program and what, what they really focus on, focus on is, um, is targeting language skills. So they really broke it down to the, you know, basic phonological processing skills, reading and spelling. So they went to the bare basics and really built the foundation so that they are in a good place where, um, uh, where they can continue to, to build on these skills as they move on, on in their academic journey. Um, so, but we do, so we've since moved to Washington state. And so we do do like tutoring sessions, they call them transition sessions. Um, and Marshall does once a week and Harrison does twice a week. And we do that through zoom, um, you know, being 
COVID right now, there's not a lot of places that are open and they are right. doing it through Zoom. And so I'm going to stay with the program that we're doing. And eventually, as we get more settled in our new state, I'll, you know, try to find an in-person, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, just so that they keep building on those skills. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, as time goes on, the, the, the goal is that they won't need it as much. Right. That's um, amazing that they were able to do yeah. that. So tell yeah, us a little it, bit about, you know, once uh, I'm sure that that was probably pretty intensive, those hours every day that they were doing, but, you know, and we can talk a little bit about that if you want to like to do that. But I was really curious about sharing the piece of once you, once you got what they needed and, and they were able to assess and, and provide the specific pieces that they needed as far as their remediation, so when you think about your boys being remediated and they're on the other side of those really intensive days that they had, what does it look like now as far as self-esteem and how they see themselves and how they, you know, really address their schoolwork and their friends? I mean, have you seen a, a difference in, in both the boys since then? You know, quite frankly, like it really hasn't been that long. And I can tell you it's like night and day, especially with my little guy, Harrison, when he walked into this program, he couldn't identify letters. He couldn't connect letters to their sounds. He had trouble with um, just symbol like shapes. And um, he was very timid. Anytime it came to doing any type of reading activity, he just broke down. He went into that place of, I can't do it. Um, walking out of there, you know, within, you know, the first couple months of, of transitioning back to school, he he, his confidence just really shined. And he, once, sorry, can I go back? Um, you know, transitioning back into kindergarten, there was just a huge difference in how he was showing up. In fact, um, as an example of this, he, you know, every most preschools and lower grades, they have their mystery reader. And there was always a parent or a staff member from the school. But uh, just a few months after um, his his intervention program, he went up to his teacher and he said, I want to be the mystery reader. And, um, and of course (laughs) she was super excited. She said, yeah, I just want you to know Harrison, this is Harrison's idea. He's going to be the mystery reader on this day. You know, you're welcome to come. So of course I did. And uh, he had his little book that he had working on through the intervention program. And, you know, it was, it was, you know, you're, you're regular or just, it was just, Sorry, let me go back. Um, it was just his favorite book through the intervention program. And so he sat in front of his class and he read his book and, you know, it, it was, he, he, not that he struggled through it, but, you know, it took him time. Um, it was word by word, you know, sound by sound, word by word, but right. he did it and he was proud of himself. And I continue to see this through, through, um, see this confidence grow as time goes on. Um, he did the same thing recently with his virtual learning. He was in his social group and he's like, Hey guys, can I read you a book? And so he went and grabbed a book and, and read it to them and seen that. Um, I mean, yeah. And that's just, amazing. Cause that's confidence, even at this young age that he will take into life now, you know, as he grows. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll be honest, we like, there are days when maybe the teacher will go a little too fast and he feels like he's getting behind and he kind of goes into that panic mode. And those are days when we really, you know, need to remind them of the accommodations we have in place at school and, and just, just work on keeping, you know, his mindset in a more positive, 
um, and not so, um, you know, like beating himself up. Um, with Harris, with Marshall, uh, he, for me, it's, it's, he's becoming more independent. You know, with anything with dyslexia, like it, it takes time. And so it wasn't like they came out of the intervention program and all of a sudden they were, you know, master readers and writers, like they were still building on those skills. And so with, with Marshall, now that he's in third grade, excuse me, um, I'm just really experiencing where he's able to really do things on his own. And, um, and that is something that is really just something that makes me very proud and where I can take a step back and say, hey, these decisions I'm making for my children are making a difference in their life. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it is, you know, it's so hard at the beginning of the journey and it, it doesn't necessarily ever get easier, but as we see our children really step into and embrace their dyslexia and then they start having success because they've received the right remediation, then it really does change their direction and their path. And they're able to, you know, nothing's perfect as with any child, but they're, but they, their confidence is so different than if it had not been identified or maybe like you said earlier, you know, the teachers are great and they really are invested in our children being successful, but they don't have the right tools always. Yeah. To point us in the right direction. One thing I'm really, you know, I really took away from this process of, of seeking the right support for my children it's just trusting the process. I think that's one of the hardest things because, you know, progress is not overnight. It takes time to build up those skills and then it takes time to build up the confidence in those skills. So every time um, as our children move moves up in grades and they're introduced to new skills, it's going to take them a little bit longer to kind of get there. But once they got it, they got it. And, you know, it's just providing that support in that environment where we allow them to thrive and really learn rather than putting the pressure on like, you need to get this right away. Cause that's just not the reality of dyslexia. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. So let's talk for a minute about, let's kind of shift gears here for a second. Let's talk about what you find to be the most rewarding part of raising children with dyslexia. Oh, um, you know, there's, of course, my children are just amazing little boys. <laughs> and every day there's something to be, uh, you know, just feel like it's a reward. Um, but I think for me, once I was able to really let go of the idea that my children needed to fit in a certain box, I was really able to appreciate like their outside of the box thinking, you know, the flip side of dyslexia that we often hear about. And so with Marshall, like, you know, when he was in preschool at three years old, his teacher came up to me like, this kid is going to be an engineer. And I still see it to this day where, you know, with video games, you know, he enjoys the playtime, but he also is about like cracking the code, figuring out how it works, breaking it apart, you know, really digging deep. And with anything, we can be driving, he'll see something and he will have his ideas of how something works and why it works the way it does and how they put it together. And, you know, it's these moments that I've really learned to appreciate and really just kind of focus on their strengths rather than being so laser focused on the areas that are challenging at, at times. And I think, um, you know, really having the ability to, to, 
to appreciate those moments are the most rewarding. And it, and it comes in those little moments, like when Harrison is excited to read to his class, um, or it's the smile I see when he's proud of something he wrote. And so for me, those are truly the most rewarding moments for sure. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. There, there are so many, you know, um, I don't want to say struggles, but there, there are, like we talked about earlier, there's so many days and things that happen and that, that where I put them earlier, that invisible parenting, the things that we see and that we deal with and that we work through. But on the flip side of that, our kids are amazing and they, their vocabulary is amazing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I can remember even though my daughter was in speech and there would be words that we were like, what is she saying? But then she would say things you're like, that doesn't even seem like something she should be saying at this age. Yeah. I mean, it was just their vocabulary. And like you said, that out of box thinking and, you know, for us too, and you probably feel this way is that it really has, it gives you the opportunity as the mom to really see the world through a different lens than you probably did before. Not only just because of parenting, but parenting kids with dyslexia, they view the world differently and it really does open you up to view the world differently. So it really is a gift they're giving back oh my to gosh. us too, right? hundred <laughs> percent. And I got it with my youngest son, Harrison. I mean, at a young age, like he was really expressing like strong, empathetic abilities. Um, I, I remember an experience with him again, he was in preschool. He was about four years old. It was Christmas time and Santa came to the preschool and was passing out candy canes. And every, you know, the kids were telling them when he went, they wanted for Christmas and Harrison was like standing next to me and had his little sack full of gifts for his friends. And he looks at me and he's like, mom, can I give Santa a gift? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. And so he did. And you know, that was like such a proud moment for me to like all these kids around him that are so focused on, you know, what Santa was going to bring them. But here was my son who was like, you know what, Santa deserves a gift as well. And you know, that was just a moment where I really realized like this kid is really special and he, you know, he really takes in the world around him and the people and, and feelings. And, you know, I see this in him to this day. And, you know, when I, we talk about like grit, right. Grit with is, is often a way to explain a, a person with dyslexia. And I see this in my boys, you know, the determination, the courage, the, the strong will to really work through things. And, um, it's just amazing how, you know, again, I, if you're so focused on, you know, the areas that are challenging and struggling and trying to fix something that really doesn't need to be fixed, you can right. mix, miss you can so miss much. It. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we found too, and with the empathy thing and, and some of the research I've done and then talking to moms, you know, it does seem like not every child, but a good majority of children, have a really high level of emotions. And I know one article Mm -hmm. I was reading was talking about even successful entrepreneurs have that strong empathy, which helps them connect to their clients. It helps them connect to their employees because they can sense when something's just off, like they just have such strong emotions. And so that's been something that we learned early on too. And, you know, it's not just, you know, some people say being sensitive and, and some, some of that may be so, but it's just the way they view the world is just so different as far as how they see things. And so it's, um, it's just very interesting part of, of that. Yeah, as well, and, that you know, journey. through having the awareness around dyslexia, like I was able to really look at my children and see their strengths. And like I said, being less focused on their challenges, like it's kind of, it was, it's my job to kind of be their guiding light to really um, help them see 
those strengths, you know, those strengths Absolutely. as strengths of their own, because mm-hmm. otherwise they don't, they don't know, you know, they, right. they might see strengths in a different way. Like how, you know, how well, they may think they it's only academic, or, right. Or yeah, they or may or think it's only academic. And, oh, I have to yeah. have a certain thing or a certain grade or do a certain read a chapter book. Cause my best friend's reading a chapter book yeah. or whatever it might be even early on, but you're right. You know, those pieces of finding really what lights them up. That's the fun yep. part. Like that's the part well, I try to encourage people to lean into the reading will come You're, and the spelling. Will, there's always going to be struggles there, right? I mean, you can speak to that as an adult, yep. but if we don't embrace those strengths and really push into those passions, I mean, I can just, you know, you just see them light up when they're talking about a subject and that's when you grab books that are similar, right. And they get excited to read about that topic that lights them up as opposed to, oh, well, this is on the list. You have to read these types of books. And so I, you know, always encourage parents to think about, you know, find what lights them up because that's fun. And like you said, just being part of that with them is so much fun as a parent. Like you can make parenting fun again. I, yeah. Exactly. And, 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 you know, uh, two points I want to make like dyslexia can get heavy and, yeah. you know, you do have to bring lightness into it and it, you know, it is not a doomsday. Like our children are going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And, you know, with them being fully aware of what their strengths are, like, I'm a big believer that your strengths will lead you to your passions. And where are we, where do people find most success? They find it when they're passionate about what they're doing. And so maybe our kids, you know, will not follow the traditional path, but that's not always the best way to go. As long as we make it okay for them to really embrace what lights their fire, what's their passion, like they will find success of their own. And we, we need to make that okay for them. Um, rather than, you know, the whole, I feel like a lot with, with the school, there's a lot of comparing to your peers and, Mm -hmm. you know, the, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say too, Valerie, just to follow up on that, you know, you said early on something about you got some advice about how you show up. And I think that goes right into what you just said, because mm-hmm. how you show up and you get excited about their, you know, their passions and what they're doing. I know a, a couple of years ago, one of uh, our daughter's teachers, she said, I think I said, oh, I've got to go. We're, we're about to play, you know, I think we're about to play some Minecraft and I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm falling in a hole or I wander off and get lost. And she's like, oh, I got a house full of boys. They just go downstairs and play. I, I would never like, I don't, you're like a saint or something for doing that. But I don't do that to put my stuff on a pedestal. One, we have an only child, right? And then the yeah. other piece is, it is so fun to watch her get excited. And then she teaches us things. So we really learn how she like how she sees things where if we were just in the other room we might miss out on some of those pieces and I'm not being critical about how people parent I'm just saying we found a different way to embrace that and how we show up and how we support and you know we're able like if she's talking about something what does that mean and so she's able to kind of teach us and we know if you teach it to someone you learn it better and you remember it yeah Mm -hmm. so it's just and it's fun to watch her get excited about things and she'll teach us things and uh, my husband will ask her questions what does this mean? Or, you know, why is this, you know, whatever creature just popped up in my house? How did that happen? And so, you know, it's, and a lot of people are really against gaming and Minecraft and things, but she does have that engineering kind of mind too, right? It's more about the creation of, you know, going online and figuring out how to make her own blocks and name the blocks and put them in her, you know, whatever in her, um, 
trying to think what it's called now into her mod or whatever she's doing. Yeah. But I'm completely what they call a noob, right? Cause I still, I get lost all the time. I, they laugh because every time we play, I fall in a hole every time they're like, mom's in a hole again. I'm like, can someone come find me? So my kids don't allow me to play with them because they're like, mommy doesn't know what she's doing. And when they're, when yeah, Marshall, she's like, like she's she such really a noob. Goes yeah you taught me something I didn't know what that was <laughs> now I know I think but, you should tell um, them tonight I found out that I'm a noob for Minecraft and they'll be like and oh they my would gosh. agree they they'll would laugh agree. yeah they'll love that yeah. yeah but for us since we have an only child like it's hard because like I can't say just go play with your sister right like I got like so we yeah. try to have some time where we're doing things together but well, uh, and, but yeah sometimes think, she's like mom you don't know that yeah I'm like okay I don't, I don't know <laughs> well and by you like taking the time to really see what this game is about like you know what these kids are doing and, and, and the skill it takes to build these things that they're building in these games. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. And they are really getting in touch with, you know, like with your daughter, with you see the engineering skills as well. And I see that in my son, like he's really like connecting with that and really bringing his imagination to life and building these, I mean, just these things they build. I'm like, how do you yeah, know how to do completely, like, you know, There was it, no class on how to Minecraft. Right. And what's so neat about it, not to get off on a whole Minecraft discussion, but is they really are when they open and they can create a world, it's like a, a blank slate, right? I mean, they it, can create completely. from scratch what yes. it looks like. And I'm like, how did like what the other day she created a school that had classrooms and stuff? And and yeah. my husband was like, What they, come here, you gotta see this. And yeah, I was well, like, and so they, what I mean, they doing? And it was just well, it was think really about neat. what that takes. Like they have to think about what they're building, they they have to, you know, they're doing their hand things and you right. know it's, it's just, just a lot just, of there's a lot going on there and so yeah it's I really amazing it's I just I, I think yeah. you know it's and like to your point too I, I don't need this to be a whole episode on gaming but to your point too you know we are you know in the room to see if she's chatting or things are appropriate because she's yeah, still yeah. really young um I say really young she just turned 10 so I guess it's not that young anymore I but know. um but still to be able to kind of be aware of how, like you said, how she's using it, what it looks like. Yeah. And so I have been more open to what that looks like because I've spent the time to learn instead of, um, and so I would encourage moms to do that too. If there's something your child's interested in, but you have some concerns, is it safe? Is it something, is it, is it too much violence? Things like that. Then mm -hmm. take some time to get to know that, to see if it is appropriate. I mean, there are like, she shared one of the she got a book about Minecraft. It had characters. One of the mm -hmm, YouTubers mm -hmm. wrote a book. They're really kind of cool. I mean, they're really great. But she she decided to dress. This is interesting. You'll love this. She decided to dress up for Halloween. They do book character at her school. Oh, so wow. she dressed up like the little girl, Jen, from the book. And her and her, her, her mom, her and my mother, they made a dress, like sewed a dress so she could go as this book character. Well, she took the book to, she had to get approved to take the book to school. And I'm thinking, okay, they're like zombies and stuff in the book. <laughs> and I'm thinking, so someone's going to think I'm a poor parent. I can see it happening uh, yeah, already. But yeah. you know, this, but they, I mean, if they thought that they didn't tell me, but they were like very complimentary because they're like, wow, she actually like, I mean, she, she, they sat together and they sewed this costume and it was really just a little simple dress, but still, mm -hmm. you know, if I had been closed off to that, those are all the opportunities we would have missed, I guess is my point yeah, for and anybody she'll that's still listening. She'll at this always point. remember <laughs> that. Yeah. She'll always remember that, you know, right. she'll always remember that moment. 
and it's important to her and, and, and you allowed her to kind of embrace that. So that's just absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about this is mother's day. So I do want to focus a little Yay. bit, quite a bit actually on you. So I would love for you to share, and I know your boys are home a lot right now still because of COVID. So this may look different than it looked, I would say a year ago, but for us, we just hit a year. So it's, it might be a, a year and six months, but what is your favorite self-care practice? And it may be that it looks different right this moment. And you're like looking yeah. forward to getting back to what it used to yes. look like, but what are you currently doing? And was, was there another practice that you had prior that you really did enjoy as well? Because I just think as we connect as moms and share other opportunities and ideas, I learned something just in my last interview and I was like, Ooh, that's good. I want to try that. And, yeah. uh, and then too, I just want to encourage moms to also figure out a way to make it work. You, you absolutely can't feel, you absolutely can't serve and love on the people around you if your cup is empty. So, um, I agree. And you are completely correct with my COVID self-care versus my pre-COVID, uh, pre-COVID, you know, I was in Arizona. I was in a total different climate, uh, compared to Washington state, but I loved like hiking and girls night out every once in a while date night with my husband. And of course the occasional like spa treatment. Um, but let's be real. We're in a different world right now. Um, my state is still pretty closed down. We're just starting to open up a little bit. So, you know, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to say Netflix and a bottle of red wine is like my go-to on there the you weekend. Go. But I mean, you gotta have something. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I, and I, and I've, really, you know, have learned through the years or through this last year that, you know, I really need to cut time out every day for myself, especially the boys being around 24 seven. So it's a matter of just an hour a day, just having that quiet time. And I'll either choose, I found a really fun journaling that has great prompts in it that I, I enjoy doing that. Or, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the insight, um, meditation app and they have great like guided meditation and that covers all kinds of topics and they also have like courses. And so I, you know, and sometimes I'm just, you know, cuddled up in a blanket listening to that. And, or if there's some sunshine outside, I might go sit outside and do it. So those uh, Netflix and journaling and meditation have been uh, my go-to these days. Absolutely. And I love that you said just finding some dedicated time and sometimes, you know, for, especially in this uncertainty that we're still in, it doesn't look like it did six months ago, but we're still hanging on to, you know, the the pandemic pieces still as people are getting vaccinated and things like that. And like you said, it looks so different in in every state almost. But I think the point that's so important that you just shared was, you know, finding something though, that you can just have some time, you know, just some time, even if it's it's just a few minutes, like sometimes sometimes it's just a hot cup of coffee in my hand and just really, you know, looking outside and just taking a moment to like decompress and, and like, you know, sometimes like I always say you have to disconnect to reconnect to yourself. And Absolutely. so that's kind of, yeah. And let me clarify when I said bottle of wine, that's with my husband. That's like- <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a, a judgment-free zone just for the great, listening. Great. So it can be your yoga pants and your hair up in a ponytail and Every no makeup. Day, and I, I talked to a mom a couple of weeks ago and she's like, I like to go sit in my closet by myself. And just, you know, have a minute. I was like, okay, yeah, you're my kind of person. Because sometimes (laughs) you just need to, especially when everybody's home and we 
we other than the weekend, it's not like 24 seven, everybody's home, right? Like that's just been so different this last year. And I would sometimes just find myself walking into the other room and taking some deep breaths for a minute just to kind of, you know, get myself back where I needed to be. So I just think it's important that, you know, that moms, you know, we're giving you permission and you absolutely should find time to rest and recharge. You just have to find time to do that. And it can look a lot of different ways for, for different people, but finding something that refreshes you is important and it may look different than your best friend or what we're doing. That's okay. You just, and, need to and, find and what yeah. other people are doing might not work for you. And Absolutely. So you really, right. You have to be, you have to be able to take, you know, take a step back and honestly look like, where am I at this moment? What do I need? Right. And, and, and so what, and what do you like to do? Cause for some people yeah. like, like I like to read a book, right? Like to cuddle up mm-hmm. and read a book. My husband, he listens to audio books. Um, and so, you know, it just kind of depends. And then for others they are like, I don't want to read a book. I might want to scroll through Instagram like that to me, that was stressful. Yeah. Cause then I get all into that mess, mm-hmm. you know, a li- and I say mess because it means 10 minutes ended up being two hours. Cause I just exactly. lose my track of time. Yeah. But it just looks different. It could, like you said, it could just be that you got up a few minutes early and you're sitting, you know, in your favorite chair, you know, listening to the birds in the morning and just having a minute, maybe to journal, whatever that looks like. So, yeah. you know, find the I things mean, that you've enjoyed doing in the past and, and try those again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, I've had moments where I've actually slept in, you yeah. know, and allowing myself, but then there are days when I can get up early and, you know, so it's really just listening to where you are and just really serving where you are in that moment of time. Cause it's gonna, you know, at any time, but especially during this time yes, where we have absolutely. all the extra pressures of mm-hmm. juggling everything we need to do when we're limited on, you know, what so, we can do. Absolutely. You know? And Valerie, that, get, that makes me think too, is just thinking about the different seasons of life, not necessarily the fall, spring, summer, yeah, but just yeah. our seasons in life, like how old our kids are. Are we just starting on yeah. this dyslexia journey? Are mm-hmm. we in the, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So where you guys are locked down and still at home, our kids are at school. And so, you know, mm-hmm. it looks different for different people. And I think you just have to embrace the season of your life and figure out where your pace is and then figure out what, you know, what you can do to, to take care of yourself. Cause you're so important. All right. So I want to ask you this question as we get to the near to the end of our discussion today and our conversation, which is, you know, moms that are listening today and are really just kind of starting out on this journey and they're trying to kind of figure it all out and they're still in that overwhelmed stage and they're Googling mm-hmm. and just doing all the things, you know, what advice would you give to moms who are just starting this journey? Okay. As you said that the first thing that came to my mind is you need to let go that, you know, any ideas that, well, let, let me take a step back. <clears throat> so when, with you saying that the first thing that comes to my mind is every parent needs to let go of any feelings that their parenting caused any of this, you know, every it's, it's certain things that were just out of our control and there was nothing we could have done to change to where we are now. Um, I would say the other thing that really comes to my mind is like, don't get in the mindset that you have to have everything figured out right away. Um, You know, like with anything with dyslexia, it takes time and give yourself that time to really um, find your pace and how you're going to navigate through this journey. Um, It's so easy to go and fix it mode. But what we really need to understand and keep in mind is 
that our children don't need to be fixed. They just need to be supported. And it takes time to really figure out how they need to be supported. So just be patient, be kind with yourself. And, you know, you're, you're taking the right steps to get to where you need to do or to get to where you need to be and you'll get there. Um, I love that because there's such a different layer of patience that you learn through this journey and navigating this journey. And it's so different, possibly what it is. It's so different from where you were before you knew where you were in the middle of figuring it out. And then when you're on the other side of it, you've identified it, you've either remediated it or you had the right remediation in place. I mean, all those different places along the journey, you know, you start kind of figuring out how that looks. And I love that part that you shared because you, you absolutely have to have patience, not only for your kids, but for yourself, like every day sometimes looks different in a week and it can be a little overwhelming still, but just having patience, like you said, I think is, is an amazing, I think, I think just developing to the basic awareness and understanding Mm -hmm. of what dyslexia is and how it's showing up in your child's life. Um, you know, can really help you navigate through the challenges and even the frustrating times at home. Like I know with my kids, if I give them, you know, if I tell them to go pick up the room and then take their, their laundry to the laundry room, I know they'll remember. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like having that in the back of my mind will, you know, kind of help regulate like where, how I talk to my children, how I react. And it's just so important just to have that base you know, that you, you don't need to dig deep and, and, and understand, you know, the complexities of like dyslexia and stuff. But I think just starting with like a basic foundation of knowledge that will help you right. navigate through these situations, it makes a world of a difference um, for, for your children and for your, yourself as a parent. Yeah, I, absolutely. And it can make such yeah. a different tone in your household too. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's really, which what I think I is so in, critical, you know, that the one piece I think is so critical too along the journey is that, you know, and you just talked about that, which is, you know, the relationship at home, you said this in kind of a different way, but the relationship yeah. at home is so, so necessary and so essential to our children being successful and that patience and identifying, you know, when maybe we need to take a step back or when we Mm -hmm. need to break something down in smaller components. And you're right. It can't be, you know, go do these five things in your room and come back. They're like, what? And you're like, okay, go to your room and make your bed and come back. Mom's going to tell you something else I need you to do. (laughs) You know, it's got to be little pieces and uh, you know, knowing that, you know, really we're setting them up to be successful adults, but also, you know, I, I know someone I've read a book, uh, one of the books I've read recently, he was saying that, you know, your child's not going to remember that you did and completed second grade math homework on mm-hmm. Wednesday, April, whatever. But what they are going to remember is the way you parented and the things that you did to support them. And of course, we all have off days, you know, that's going to happen. So give yourself some grace there. But (laughs) I love that piece that you shared because it is so spot on as far as, you know, being able to give yourself grace and know that, you know, that's just the way their brain thinks and it's okay. Let's try to work with it and not against it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, like another example, I just thought of what you were speaking is like a lot of what I am really experiencing with my uh, with Marshall, who's, well, you know, he's nine and a half is a lot of times I'll ask him something and it really takes him a, a while to come up. Like, and I'm like in a hurry rushing, like, come on, Marshall, like get it out. But now, but because I have awareness of what dyslexia is, I understand that he has 
trouble with recall and it takes him time to kind of, you know, go into the vault and pull out the information he needs. And so it's learning, okay, when I ask him a question, you know, I need to give him time to like get to the answer. And so it's just little things like that, that just can just help with how you communicate with your child. And, and, you know, like to your point, the emotional aspect of it is so important. And, and, and I've learned through, you know, my personal journey and my personal experience is that, you know, emotional needs really need to be put over like the academic needs, because if your child's confident and they know how to express themselves and they know how to advocate for themselves, um, it's, that's, what's really going to make a difference in their academics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Along with the support of, you know, absolutely. So let me ask you this last question. How has your experience through your own journey and now your journey as a mom raising these amazing little dyslexic boys in your life? Yeah. You know, how has that changed you and how have you started just showing up in the world differently? You know, once I really started, so I'm the type I, I, you know, when I want to learn something, I take courses, I'm going to seminars, like I really want to know. And so I really did that. And I felt like I was given this mountain of information that really um, told me what dyslexia is and is not, which was the total opposite of what I thought it was. So through those facts, I was really able to like disconnect from the misconceptions. And it was kind of like, I was finally given this permission just to be myself and be able to look at some of the challenges that I had to overcome through my life, you know, if it was at school through, you know, starting my career and a lot of those frustrating and very embarrassing moments of, um, you know, my dyslexia showing up at the most inconvenient of times and really taking it away from like a me thing that I, that I was, you know, that other people are smarter than me. They know more than me to really understanding that, that these these areas of challenges don't like define my capabilities. And so um, through my boys diagnosis and the journey of getting them support, it was almost like, I feel like the blindfolds were taken off of my eyes and I had a whole different perspective of myself. And um, it has really just inspired me to start reaching out and, and, and raising more dyslexia awareness. And, and this is where I've, come and like just connecting with other parents. And I really realized how awareness and understanding and through connection can really help a person through the journey. And I know I wasn't alone with how I felt about myself and, and how throughout my life, I really, I I held myself back in so many ways because I didn't fully believe in myself. And I just, I want to be a person for, for, for others that I needed 10, 20 years ago. Um, and so this is where I, I started my company, Red Square Pegs, and um, my mission really is just to wear, uh, raise awareness and empower dyslexics and parents of children with dyslexia through understanding, connection, and encourage, encouragement. And um, if it wasn't because, you know, if it wasn't for my experiences, I wouldn't be able to do what I am doing today. And I'm really excited. I'm just starting my company. I'm really excited to see where it goes and how I can just really reach out and make a difference in other people's lives and kind of normalize the conversation about dyslexia. Like one thing I've learned is dyslexia is not a bad word. We should, we should feel comfortable right. saying it. There's no shame behind it. Like Absolutely. let's remove all of that and just start the conversations 
and empower people to really embrace all of who they are. Mm-hmm. And thank you for all that you're doing. That's one of the ways that we actually, for those who are listening, connected and met each other was through your work through Red Square Pegs. I love what you're doing. You. I, I so appreciate, you know, all the the things that, that you are doing and, you know, it's just, um, it's been very, uh, uplifting and inspirational to watch the information that you're sharing. And so thank you for all that you're doing, you know, to, to bring awareness and to, and to help, you know, just people understand more about dyslexia and what it really means. And uh, how can people that are listening that might want to connect with you, what's the best way to, to follow Red Square Pegs? Uh, so right now my main platform is Instagram, um, but I am launching a website um, in early summer. So I will you know, put that all out, out there on Instagram. And, you know, I have, I have lots of um, things that I, I want to work on and really, you know, in the future, I, I hope to be in more platforms and reaching more people and really, uh, especially when COVID starts going away, I really want to get involved in more community programs as well. So yeah, to be continued for sure. But um, yeah, my next step is my website and I'm working with a couple of speech pathologists that work with uh, children that um, have learning differences. And, uh, you know, we'll all, all three of us, I'm, I have the personal experience, they have the educational factor, and we're going to be sharing um, information, tips, tools, stories, and really, you know, hope to grow that as a, a community platform where we can really connect and help people through their journeys. Wow, that's amazing. I can't wait yeah. to see that. That's, that'll be great. And I'll also put a uh, link in the show notes to your current Instagram handle so they can find that mm-hmm. in the show notes. And I want to say to you, happy Mother's Day. I know officially I'm the first person to tell you that because we are recording this in March for those of you who are listening. But <laughs> thank you so much for all that you do. Um, I know that as moms, there's just, like I said, so many times that, you know, there are things that in their days that are so hard and it feels, um, you know, a lot of weight on our shoulders. And I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing at Red Square Pegs. Thank you for being an amazing mom and happy Mother's Day to you. And thank you so much for being on the show uh, for Mother's Day. It means a lot to me personally. So thank you. Oh, Nicole, I'm, I just feel so blessed to connect through, with you through this journey and happy Mother's Day to you as well. And I just want you to know, you know, I get inspired by other parents that are showing up in this space like you and you've been part of my journey and I've been following you for a while and it just it just makes such a difference. And so thank you for all you do and how you show up in this space. It really, it really is inspiring and is making a difference. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening today and happy Mother's Day to you. You are an amazing warrior mom and together we can do hard things, right? Are you new to dyslexia? If you are and you're looking for more resources, then go to dyslexiamomlife.com backslash start here where I have resources for you from blog articles, other podcast episodes you can listen to, and also free resources. And do you want to connect with our guests this month? Then be sure to go to dyslexiamomlife.com to find each of the episodes listed there from this month so you can connect with all these amazing moms on our podcast. And we have a special episode that we're going to be releasing on May 31st, so you don't want to miss that. Be sure to subscribe, though, because we are going to be releasing these Mother's Day episodes throughout the month of May. 
Have a great day and remember, you got this.